seriously popular. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to another edition of It's All Kicking Off. This is our weekend preview show and we find ourselves um, in this strange hinterland between uh, Christmas and New Year where we all feel as though we've probably eaten enough chocolate and um, eaten enough things covered in pastry and probably drunk enough alcohol. Um, but there's little little bit of us that still has an appetite for a little bit more. Um, and it's a little bit like that with the football, Chris. There's been loads of it, but there's more to come. And I think we're up for that, aren't we? Is that how you feel? Uh, oh, I love this time of year. Love this time of year uh, as a player, albeit, you know, as players, we had to make sacrifices. You journalists, you know, you could eat, drink and uh, and be merry, but uh, love this time of year as a player. And it's a, it's a key time of year, isn't it? You know, you can, you can gain great strides in wh- whichever league you're in or you can let it all slip. Or you can go hurtling backwards like Aston Villa. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that oh. in, a bit, in a minute. Um, I saw... Um, saw a clip on social media yesterday of um, the Oldham dressing room on Christmas Day where um, old, a couple of Oldham players were heard um, moaning about being in um, on Christmas Day. And a few people commented quite rightly that all footballers train on Christmas Day, don't they? It's a very normal part of the normal part of the, of the holiday season for professional footballers. Yep, it's it's the job you've you've got to get on with it. And, uh, you know, I always I always found it quite nice to be away from the family for a few hours in the morning, get away vice from the madness. Vice versa. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there is there there is that as well. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, but but it, it is part uh, part and parcel, and it's about preparation. Part and parcel. It? See what you did. Part see what you did there. Parcel. Part and Christmas parcel. Um, so you were in um, you were in Edinburgh yesterday for the Edinburgh Derby. I must admit, a game that I've always fancied going to. Um, uh, hearts, hearts. Oh, well, what's what's stopping you? No, well, fair point. But an invitation for a start. Um, hearts, hearts won in the la- hearts won in the last minute. Lots of drama. Couple of penalties uh, missed early on. Uh, I mean, the big story really was Lawrence Shankland, the, the heart striker, is a really good finisher. Uh, and the game wasn't the best game. They cancelled each other out, uh, but he he was the difference maker. And uh, bloody, good, th- bloody good goal. A brilliant goal, and you know he's his finishing is excellent, and I suspect Hearts will do well to hold on to him in January. I think there'll be clubs in for him. He's got eighteen months left on his contract, 
but when you can finish like he can, lacks a little bit of pace. But when you can finish like he can, then I'm sure that uh, that there'll be other clubs uh, in for him. And I'm, I'm sure his check to you is now in the post. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to be um, a, a striker with a, with a name like Shank. I mean, uh, anyone anyone who plays golf will probably understand what what that means. Anyway, there are worse names. There are, Let, and I've got one of them. Now let's get into um, uh, let's get into our first game of the weekend: Aston Villa versus Burnley. We're going to deal with this very quickly. Um, I was at Old Trafford the other night for that. Uh, Boxing Day evening for that brilliant comeback by Manchester United. So we don't have to dig into that uh, that football club for once, which is a blessed relief for everybody. The Villa the Villa performance was interesting. Two 0 up early, um, couldn't hold on, and the Unai Emery high line, high defensive line. I'm not going to put it in the same category as the Ange Postecoglou high defensive line stroke suicidal night's work against Chelsea a few weeks ago. They're both high lines. But they were, they were both high lines. Yeah, but Villa still had 11 players on the field, whereas um, Tottenham didn't that night. Anyway, it, it made Villa look very vulnerable and they did prove to be vulnerable. Um, United created chances, scored goals, all by kind of putting balls over the top through the channels to their quick players. I was just, I just expected a little, little bit more cleverness from 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 an Emery team in trying to defend that lead. Just wonder if there's a a chink in the armor that that's been exposed there. I mean, you did you did tweet, didn't you, on the day of this game? I don't know whether no, you, you you tweeted in game time. I've got it here. A good time to be an Aston Villa supporter, yeah. flying high in the Premier League. And you mentioned Birmingham City labouring under Wayne Rooney. Was that? Did you tweet that when they were two 0 up? I think it was nil. No, I think that was kick off. Actually, I think that was okay. kick off. I think you'll find most football journal most football journalists who tweet at games tend to tweet a lot during the first half because we're not doing that much during the first half apart from watch the game. In the second half, it's all kind of hands to the pump, writing your report. So Twitter feeds tend to get fall silent. I did get picked up on that by a couple of United fans who were quick to say, "Oh, you're not tweeting now that we're winning." And to be, to, be, to be fair, they were right. I wasn't tweeting. I wasn't, but it, but there was a reason for it. Yeah, I mean, so you, I mean, you, you must sort of regret that that tweet. I don't get anything. Now. I mean, I mean, I always you know, look forward. A, a great time to. I don't a great time to be a Villa supporter, and now, and now their high line. Other than their high line, um, look. I mean, my view on this. I, I think you're being harsh on Unai Emery, and and I do for the simple reason that, uh, you know, he's he's played the same way all season. And you know the reason they have a, a high line is 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 to make the you know the spaces um, narrower and and uh, and smaller. And he would be expecting his uh, his uh, his defensive players when those balls are going in in behind to read to simply read the play better and and not not to react to be proactive and uh, and and to read the game better. And it's as, it's as simple as that. But what's worked for them all season, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to change the way that he is playing. I think, uh, you know, massive blip against Sheffield United, a game everybody expected them to win. You can argue, well, you know, they got an equaliser, um, you know, deep into injury time. Uh, but, you know, 2-0 up, that will feel like a, a bit of a sickener. And uh, there was me thinking that they had a, had a chance of you know being in the title race, but you know it's it is is probably a stretch for them. But now we're into January. Now we're well nearly into January. It's going to be so interesting how 
how clubs like like Villa, like uh, like Tottenham, you know, clubs who have got a, an outside chance of winning the title, how big they go in January in terms of recruitment. Yeah, well, a very very good point, and one that one that I am keen to get into in a moment because that is a really really good point. Um, now, in terms of where they play, just before we move on, they do re- rely quite heavily on Emiliano Martinez to kind of do the sweeper keeper thing, which he actually does very very well and did very well um, at Old Trafford. And I was very pleased to see him get the benefit of the doubt when he came out at one point with a thunderous challenge on Marcus Rashford, got the ball, Rashford went flying, uh, the whole of Old Trafford screamed for a red card and a, and a foul. And actually it wasn't, certainly wasn't the, the former, nor was it the latter. I was pleased for once to see a good, fair, strong tackle n- not be punished yeah, you know that incident though. He gets there first. What, what are you supposed to do? And uh, in that situation where he did lunge, but he got the ball first, he can't. He can't stop his body from that from that movement at that time. You know that's that's impossible. It's just a consequence of what happens. It was an accidental, you know, collision with Marcus Rashford, who was, you know, trying to nick the ball anyway to to, to score. Martinez got there first. Get on with it. Now, um, Villa play Burnley at home. Um, this weekend, so you would think that would give them an opportunity to get back, um, get back on track. But you never know. You never know. As Newcastle are finding out, um, sometimes once you lose one, you tend to lose two, and maybe three, especially when the squad's been stretched. So big game, big game for Villa. Now talking of, of Newcastle, they're at at, um, at Liverpool, um, the other side um, of the weekend. That. It seems a few days ago, but a few days away, but it also feels like the biggest game of the next kind of chunk of games. Liverpool did well to, to win at Burnley. They dominated that game. But Newcastle, for Newcastle, it's rolling It's rolling the other way. It's rolling the other way. Um, they've lost at home to Nottingham Forest. And bizarrely, I say bizarrely because I think we need a little bit of perspective about what Newcastle have achieved, but bizarrely, there were some moans and groans in the northeast about Eddie Howe. I've seen mainly on social media, which is not always the greatest litmus test of real opinion, but nevertheless, it is there. Moans and groans about Eddie Howe, moans and groans about the atmosphere at St James's Park, moans and groans about the squad depth. Um, time for everyone to take a deep breath, I think. Moans and groans. Why? Because you know Newcastle. I mean, let's get it right. They're not they're not on a on a good run, but it all comes down to the expectation. I don't know whether this is right, but because they are because they are viewed as the richest club in the world, I think that everybody somehow equates that to they must be winning trophies and winning trophies very soon, which depends how uh, you know how the owners view uh, this situation and how the owners view. Uh, View Eddie Howe, but uh, I think you have to look at the the bigger picture, the football which he's played since he's gone in at Newcastle. I think it's an attractive brand of football, and there needs to be there needs to be patience. There are always there's always parts of a season with most clubs where there's a bit of turbulence, and there's a bit of turbulence at Newcastle at this moment in time. But when you look, when you go back and you look at their summer spend, they weren't in the top six in terms of. Uh, in terms of recruitment and the players they brought in, in terms of spending, I think that uh, that Burnley's net spend was um, was bigger than uh, the Newcastle's. So until Eddie Howe is 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 really helped uh, in a manner where he can bring in 
top, top class players, an abundance of top class players, I think it's very, very hard to judge him uh, at this moment in time. I think that they will be there or thereabouts this season. But I think, you know, in a, in a, in a pod earlier on this season, you made the point, I think we both may have made the point about European football being a burden. They've had a lot of injuries and they just haven't been able to cope. And, you know, that's the way it is. Does that make Eddie Howe a bad manager? It, it's basically crying out, uh, I think, for, for him to be aided. Uh, in bringing a better quality of player in at Newcastle. Yeah, there's some talk about Calvin Phillips, um, which would be a, an, ob- an obvious and effective signing. Um, don't know whether that one's a go or not, but what we do know from what Craig Hope, our North East correspondent and essentially the one person who does know pretty much everything that happens at that football club. According to Craig, he's told us before that the FFP is the issue for Newcastle. It's not that they, not that they haven't got the money. Of course they've got the money, but they've been able to spend it and stay within the guidelines. So that could be that could be an issue. Um, I think the thing that stalks Eddie Howe at the moment really is, is are, the, are the upcoming fixtures. So Newcastle are eighth at the moment. They're still within touch of the top six. Starting to get adrift of the top four, but in touch of the, the of the top six. But they've got a run of games which goes Liverpool, um, Sunderland in the FA Cup, Manchester City, Aston Villa. Now, if they come out, if they come out the the other side of that run, having not picked up too many points, then they won't be eighth. They'll be ninth, tenth, eleventh, and then it becomes a problem. It becomes a it, it becomes a problem for who. Well, it becomes a problem for Eddie simply because the noise will grow louder and we can say what we like about or we could always talk about owners mm. and backing managers. The fact is that when that noise grows grows louder, more persistent, it gets harder for everybody. And the one thing that we don't so, know about, sorry, um, Chris, the one thing we don't know about the Saudi owners is that um, the noises that we get from them is that they are behind Eddie and that they're going to be loyal. But the fact is that you just don't know with new new owners. You just don't know. Traditionally, the kind of owners of football clubs from the kind of Emirates states have always wanted to move quickly. City wanted to move quickly. PSG wanted to move quickly. The thing that Eddie has in his favour is that he is their hire. They hired him. Whereas, say, at Man City, when um, Abu Dhabi took over in 2008, they, they sacked Mark Hughes, but he wasn't their man. They sacked him pretty quickly. He wasn't their man. Eddie is the Saudis' man. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point you make. But the other thing with Newcastle, you, you know, I think you have to you have to simplify this uh, situation. I think that he has made a huge impact at Newcastle since he's been there. But but the last time Newcastle won a, a, a top flight title was nineteen twenty six twenty seven. Think about that. Last time I think they won the the FA Cup was fifty four fifty five. You actually think about that, and and the fact he's gone in, and and the money, and the way people view it, and the way that they they think it should equate to trophies. It's not that easy when you've got you've still got Manchester City hanging around, Arsenal hanging around, Liverpool hanging around, and and other clubs uh, challenging. So I, I really do think that that you know that that the owners probably will see the big picture and need to see the big picture with Eddie Howe. Before we move on to our final preview game, um, Chris Wood scored a hat-trick for uh, Nottingham Forest as they beat Newcastle the other day. Obviously, Wood was previously a Newcastle player. Um, he didn't celebrate, um, which is uh, an interesting tactic when you just scored your first Premier League hat-trick. 
Yeah, uh, sort of mixed views on this. Uh, you know, when I, I went back to uh, Norwich City uh, with Blackburn Rovers and scored after four minutes on my return, I didn't I didn't go wild. I was excited inside, but I was at Norwich. I'd been at Norwich City as a youngster for five years. When I went back to Blackburn and we played them in the UEFA Cup with Celtic and, and scored, I didn't go wild. I'd been at Blackburn for for five years, uh, but I only scored one goal in those games. I've got to say, I think I understand Chris Wood with the first one. It was a tap in. Don't go, don't go too mad. But I mean, when he's got the second and the third, you think, come on, Chris, you know, let the, let the shackles off. Just smile a bit. Be be a bit excited. Maybe he's not an excitable person, but I didn't, I didn't quite get that. I think, I I don't know. He 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 must have so much control because. I would have, I would have, even if I wouldn't have meant it, I would have just let myself go with a hat trick. How many people score Premier League hat tricks? I mean, that's a big deal. Come on, Woody. Also, also, um, there's uh, a little bit of me thinks that yeah, Newcastle signed him and paid him well when they signed him from uh, Burnley, but then they, they obviously discuss, they obviously decided pretty quickly that in their mind he wasn't good enough because they moved him on pretty sharply. So not sure where their loyalty is. Yeah. Anyway, well, what what whatever has happened to the good old fashioned get it up, you hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Man City, um, we ever came back from Saudi Arabia. You and I have been pretty sniffy about what the World Club Cup and all the rest of it. Came back from Saudi Arabia, big game at Everton, fell behind, um, Looked to be in a little bit of lumber, one three one, um, and Pep Guardiola's celebration afterwards in front of supporters. A little bit of Jurgen Klopp about that. Um, big hugs for all his players. Some pretty spiky um, interview stuff before the game and after. I think there's oh, a bit of getting up. You've, I think there's a little bit of. Well, Pep was saying beforehand that he thought that people want them to lose and people only judge them on results and people don't respect them and all that nonsense. Don't quite know where that comes from. And then afterwards, he might have had a Christmas hangover, I suspect. So does Pep Guardiola look, look to you like the type of bloke who suffers with hangovers? Well, if he's using that type of language, well, I mean, why, why, why come out with all that sort of stuff? Maybe a glass of Rioja too many for Pep. I never understand, you know, with some of these, some of these coaches, and you can, I'm sure you'll tell me that there's, there is an exception to this rule. But I always think this people, so especially as you know, I get a bit older and all the rest of it. Um, Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, 
uh, Eddie Howe, uh, I don't know, uh, Mar- Mourinho, uh, Arteta. How do they look? How do they look the way they look with the stress of the job? the lack of sleep, the pressure. They all talk endlessly about how they enjoy a glass of red wine. They look like they spend their whole lives in the, in the gym and living on a diet of lettuce and water. That's because they do. That, so do, you think do, they, they look, do you actually how, think they how, do, though? How do they, how do they look like they do? Well, they, they maybe stop at two glasses of wine. They look you, like stop at, you stop at two bottles. They maybe go in the gym for a couple of hours. You go in for a couple of minutes. That's, always, that's always, why always, you look like you do and they look like... You're always telling me. You're always telling me that I need to stop exercising. You should, you're always telling me to stop running. Something well, at your age, at your age, be careful. Well, yeah, I do. Yeah. Anyway, I do. I do wonder, but I do. You know, there's that. You look at. You do look at some managers, and I won't name them because it's unfair. But we can. We know who they are. Who do? Who carry all that stress and baggage in their face? Don't they? Some of them. Some of them have been very famous. Some of them very successful. Some of them just look. You got to like, name one. I'm not doing it. Not doing it. Go on. You got to name one. It. Not doing it. We know who they are, but others don't. And fair play. So, Guardiola. Back to the point. Seem to be motivated by a little bit of like, right? You, you know, everyone says that um, we can't do it, and we will do it. He said afterwards in his interview that he's told his players now they've got a responsibility to play like world champions and I don't know about about you Chris but they just felt to me as that last night as a city are now ready to do what they always do which is to go into which is to go into top gear in the second half of the season and if I was Liverpool and Arsenal I'd be worried about that I think they'd be of course they'll be worried with what City have achieved over you know Pep's tenure uh, you've described them as a winning Christmas, haven't you, Manchester City? Well, but I, mean, well, I think they Pe- have Pep's now. Pe- yeah, well, Pep's not bothered about winning Christmas, is he? He's, he's bothered about winning the Premier League, winning the, the Champions League. And this is where we think they're going to really get going, which is why it's up to Liverpool and Arsenal to really strive and hang on in there and, and show consistency themselves. Because it it is a worry. And Haaland missing, and uh, uh, by all accounts, everything which I've read, it looks like he's going to is not going to be back until uh, until uh, later on in January. Mm. That's that that's a problem. But then you're going to have Haaland back, you're going to have De Bruyne, De Bruyne. back, yeah. and yeah. Then, <laughs> there's, then there's trouble at Mill, as you'd trouble, say. Trouble, trouble at Mill for Sheffield, that's for sure, because Sheffield United, Sheffield United, come over the Pennines um, at the weekend to play um, to play City. Uh, Desperate result for Chris Wilder and his players. Um, two own goals um, saw them lose at home to Luton. I mean, didn't deserve a, to lose. Sorry, but he didn't deserve to lose. Mm. But he came out and said they did. But just on sort of balance of play, chances they had. But he yeah. was furious. I, I, mean, after, I, I, I mean, Chris is furious about a few things. He's furious about that. He's furious about leaks from his own dressing room. Quite a bit to sort out at Sheffield United. But he knew that when he went there. And I know that Chris also went in, in there knowing that part of his job, as well as keeping this team up, trying to keep this team up and perform a miracle, which is just to prepare for the, to get them back up again next season. He knows what that job is. So, so yeah, just on the leaks from dressing room, I, I, I've got to say, I find it, I find it fascinating. Uh, you know small thing but it's not a small thing it's a it's a big thing how can a player be that disloyal what is the point well it comes what is the well, desired well, outcome of that that's mad that's a sackable offense that that's his point depending it, depending on how good the player is but it comes from it'll 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 come from players who aren't in the team 
It's t- so it's team news leaks that Chris is upset about. Chris Wilder is upset about. It's team news leaks. His, the Sheffield United team has been appearing on Twitter on the morning of the game, four or five hours before the game. Um, it's therefore alerting the opposition. It happens, uh, you know, it happens quite a bit in football. Um, managers get wound up about it, but but it'll it'll be a t- from a player via an agent that a player that's not in the team. That's where it'll come from. A player who doesn't mind destabilizing what's going on because he feels he's not part of it. That'll be the problem. And a player who possibly will have his wages halved if Sheffield yeah. United get oh, relegated. So Chris, totally common sense or not? Of course not. Of course not. Totally. Um, uh, I can't think of the word, but um, totally nonsensical. Uh, doesn't, ha- doesn't, doesn't help. Make, makes uh, no logic in it after all. Um, but yeah, happens. I remember once and um, David Moyes was at, Manchester United um, uh, 10 years ago and there was a few team leaks to one of the newspapers and David's response to that was to was to sanction the journalist who was writing about the team leaks and I think at one point he was actually banned. Now I remember saying to, to Phil Neville who was um, on uh, David's staff at the time at United saying, Phil, instead of sanctioning, sanctioning journalists for doing their job, you need to find out who the leak is, mate. That's what you need to be doing. Need to find find the find the source of the problem, not uh, not not taken out on the journalist. But I suppose I would I would say that, wouldn't I? So um, big ask for Sheffield United to go to City and get a result, but but um, you never know. Um, before we go, mate, um, it is this is our lad. This is our last podcast of two thousand twenty three. What has been your best moment of the footballing year? Well, when on the email it said best moment of the year. And my my best moment would have been Stuart Broad, um, you know, finishing his career as he did do with a massive six and uh, and you know a couple of wickets um, to get England England over the line against the Aussies uh, at the uh, at the Oval. I was there. Uh, can't remember much of it. Six um, pints in. <laughs> May have been three pints. It used to be six <laughs> pints. Three pints in. Uh, but but footballing wise, it would be. We've already mentioned this, or about high lines. It would have been Ange Postacoglu doing something a little bit different, and the footballing world, you lot, you journalists, going into meltdown Hang on, just you because the, he did something different. I loved it. You were the one who rang me. Loved the next it. Mo- you were the one who rang me the next morning about eight thirty. I was excited. Have you, have you ever seen anything quite like that? It's brilliant. Have you ever seen anything quite like that? Yeah, I remember it, remember it well. Um, also, I, I actually don't even think that's it. that's the best Stuart Broad moment of the year. I think the best Stuart Broad moment, Stuart Broad moment of the year, when he was doing that um, exaggerated um, placing of his bat back in his own crease in that test match when Johnny Burster had been kind of controversially run out by the Australian wicketkeeper. And every time um, the ball went dead after that, Stuart rather wound up. Just kind of playing to the crowd and trying to get under the Aussie skin. And my moment, moment of the year, probably more prosaic than yours, actually. I feel like I've let, this, let the team down here a little bit. Probably um, being at St James's Park when Newcastle thrashed PSG, which was um, we can talk what we in the Champions League. We can talk what we say what we like about ownership and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, we're all, we're all in it for the football, and that was an incredible football occasion. I remember sitting in the seat in the press box before kickoff, looking at um, Jamal Lasalle warming up for Newcastle. Um, he was not, you know, with the greatest respect to him, 
Uh, he'd been a great servant for Newcastle, but he wouldn't necessarily be a first pick these days were it not for injuries. And he was warming up in one half and Kylian Mbappe was warming up in the other. And I thought, goodness me, how on earth is this night going to go? Well, it did go badly, but it went badly for the French team and it was wonderful to be there. Um, so um, shout, what mate, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go first on the final one. What I'm most looking forward to for the new year, and you touched on it earlier, you touched on it earlier when you talked about players. Um, on the back pages of one of the newspapers this morning, there was a little headline that said something like, Big Ange ready to ask for reinforcements. And I'm just looking forward to seeing how that how that plays out with Postacoglu and Daniel Levy in January, because um, that could be very, very interesting in, indeed in terms of the, the, the direction of travel f- for Tottenham, because we know how those conversations tend to go. Yeah, well, I thought this was, I mean, I must have been getting cross wires. I haven't had a lot of sleep. I thought this was New Year resolutions. So so my my my, my New Year resolution <laughs> would would be no more no more northern jibes to oh, really? you. I need to cut that out. I, I'm better than that. I need <laughs> well, to stop I'm not the sure northern the, the northern jibes. And I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna do my best. So, but I I think you need to give me three strikes. The great thing about that, mate, is it'll end up like all New Year's resolutions. It'll be in the bin by January the fifth, and that's so that's you've got to all... give me three. You've got to right. give me but three. That's where they all belong. All New Year's New Year's resolutions belong in the bin, and yours will be there first. Yours will be there. Be- yours will be there before most of them. Anyway, I'm worried. Look, mate, it's not a tick. Yeah, let's see how we get on. So, look, that's it. That's it for 2023. Great football year. Chris, um, football carries on over over uh, the next few days into into 2024. We'll be there on Monday to talk about it on the next edition of It's All Kicking Off. Um, in the meantime, for everybody who takes the time to listen and subscribe, um, we'd both like to wish you a very, very happy new year. Mm-hmm.